Would you pray with me as we go to the word? Father in heaven, as we sing about the light of Jesus Christ, I ask that you would let us see the light of your word. Father, I pray that you'd let us celebrate it, that our hearts would be full of joy, that, that this would just be the most sincere praise for what you've done through Jesus Christ. Help us to know him through your word. And it's in Christ's name I ask this, Lord. Amen. I want to talk to you a moment about this little baby that was born so long ago. That this is not just a story, it's not just a myth, but it's history. And that Christ was a real person, but more than any baby who has ever been born, Christ is the light of the world. If you think about light for just a moment, something that we could not live without in a very literal sense, our physical life depends on it. Our health depends on it. People who don't have enough of it get depressed. If you think about pilots trying to land an airplane, they light the runway. You don't bring, a, bring an airplane down unless you can see where you're putting it down. If you think about driving on these roads, especially in this area where it can be so incredibly dark when the streetlights aren't out, we depend on headlights to be able to see where we're going. And all of us, practically speaking, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you have to the urge to go to the bathroom, you need a nightlight. Especially if you have small children and they've left Legos everywhere. You need to be able to see to get where you're going. So there's physical light that we value, that we depend on. The Bible says that God spoke and created light. And so in a real sense, we depend on God for that. But when Christ says that he is the light of the world, he's talking about something similar and yet different. It's similar in that we also depend on the light of Christ for our life. And yet it's different because what Jesus brings us is richer and deeper than mere physical light. Often when we talk about what is right and what is wrong, what's good And what is evil? We talk about light and darkness. Light is the embodiment of all that is good and darkness is evil. And when Christ says that he is the light of the world, he's not just telling you about light. He's not just pointing to light as if light comes from some other source. He says he is the light. His essence and the essence that he shares with the Father is what is good and true and beautiful. So if you have a sense of justice and if you have a sense of loving goodness and hating evil, and and at times all of us have that kind of clarity, you might see something and say, that is wrong. And maybe you and I would disagree on what is right and what is wrong, but, but we all agree that light is real and darkness is real. And Christ says that he is the light. He came as a great teacher. We just sang, truly, he taught us to love one another. But more than just his teaching, he was a great teacher. He did tell us what, what all of the Old Testament meant as he describes in the Sermon on the Mount, what a follower of of Christ will do and be. He's a great moral teacher, but more than that, 
as the light of the world, he has come to show what the Father is like, what divine light is like. And just as light pierces the darkness and helps us see physically his light pierced the darkness of this world, and in a very personal way, it doesn't just show you evil out there that you might read about in the news or you might experience when someone hurts you. The light of Christ shines in each of us and reveals our own darkness. And I want to walk you through John chapter 8. The Gospel of John describes the history of Jesus' life as one of his disciples wrote down all of the teaching that he wanted us to have so we would know who Christ was and what he said and what he did. And in this chapter, John chapter 8, that's where we have this verse. As Jesus explains who he is to different people, John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is a staggering claim. Jesus doesn't say that he is a light among many other lights. That's what some would want to claim about Christ, that perhaps he taught some things that are true, perhaps he said some things that are beautiful, but there are many ways that we can experience light. Christ doesn't allow for that. He doesn't say that he is a light or that he points to the light. He says, I am the light. And then he says, of the world. He's not just the light for the people who were alive that could hear him then. He's not just the light for the people who lived in Judea. He's the light of the entire world. And 2,000 years after he said those words, we are here to worship him in this place because we believe that this is true. He is making a universal claim that is true everywhere, every place, in every time. And the light does no good unless you follow it. Notice what he says again. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, you and I have a choice as to whether or not we're going to follow Christ. If we follow him, we enjoy the light and we have the promise and hope of life. But if we don't, we are left to walk stumbling in the darkness. And when Jesus said these words, they were controversial then as they are now. Many did not understand fully what he was talking about, and many did not believe, but some did. And I want to point you to the different reactions that people had when Christ said these words, recorded for us in this chapter. And I would urge you, read this chapter in great care and detail. See if what I'm saying is true and faithful from what Jesus has said. And I would challenge you to see if this is accurate. John 8, 24 says this. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And so the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. 
I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. When Jesus said this, he pressed because there was a short time for his listeners to decide. And I would also press you that it's an urgent question that you decide who Jesus is and not put it off. If you look at verse 27, you see that some do not understand what he says. So they did not understand that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. That when he would leave after he was crucified, when he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, they couldn't come ask him questions anymore. He wasn't there. And they didn't understand what he was talking about. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, when you've crucified him, then you will know that I am he. And if you've heard the Gospels, you might remember that as the temple, in the temple, a veil is torn in two, and the priests recognize that something terrible and and insane has happened, and they don't fully understand it. And as you think about the, the soldier that's at the foot of the cross, and the earthquake that shakes the world, and the soldier says, truly, this was the Son of God. People begin to understand and experience in that moment who he was. But for many, it was too late. Jesus said that his desire was that we would know that he came from the Father. And it says, as he said these things, verse 30, Many believed in him. Now, if you think about it, some of the stuff he says that's so controversial, that's painful to hear, you would wonder, if this guy's trying to create a movement, if he's trying to help people get closer to God, why is he going to say things that are controversial? Why do Christians today say things that are controversial, that are maybe divisive? But the whole point is, if you, if you are going to have light, you need to be willing to let the light expose even things that you and I maybe don't like. And Christ's goal is that we would have life in him and we can't have that life unless we allow the light to shine. And some, verse 30, did believe in him. But here's how God describes those who believed. It says that those who believed needed to continue in following to experience the freedom that Christ offers. If you look at verses 31 of this chapter, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus invited you not to just believe that he was God, not to just believe that he would die for your sins and rise from the dead, but to abide in his teaching, to become a follower who's eager to understand all that he said and taught. And I would challenge you today, maybe you're someone that would say, you know, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I've prayed a prayer and asked God to forgive me, but maybe you're not following him today. And I would urge you that Jesus said that if you abide in his word, then you are truly his disciples. In other words, by abiding, if you do the things that Jesus said to do, if you follow his teaching and obey his commands, that's the kind of abiding that demonstrates your faith is genuine, that you have truly believed. It's a kind of faith that longs to know Christ more and more. And when Christ said this, this was also confusing for his followers. And they answered him and said, you know, we, we're offspring of Abraham. In other words, we already know God. We're already in this right relationship. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say that you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, Jesus is inviting you to believe in him and abide in him and entrusting in him as that light that shines in the darkness and entrusting in him as the savior who died for your sins and rose from the dead and in abiding in his words and following his teachings, that's when you begin to experience the freedom from sin and the change that comes as the light shines more in your life. Jesus said to those who heard this, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Jesus' goal is that you and I would know God the father. And when you know the father, you love him and you have life through that faith. He says towards the end of this chapter, verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And his point is that we need to not just know some facts about him, but we need to rest in him. We need to keep his words because that's how faith always behaves. When it's genuine, it longs to obey the Lord. And so he drives his people to a point of decision where he makes these crazy universal exclusive claims. And he makes the case that it's urgent and warns that if you reject him, there'll be a time when you cannot accept him. And he ends the chapter like this. This is verse 57 through 59. His adversaries said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He's saying that he did not come to existence when he was born. But even before Abraham was, who lived a few thousand years before Christ, even before Abraham was, he already existed. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That last verse is critical because they understood that he had claimed to be God And they believed that that was blasphemy. That was a capital offense. They wanted to kill him because of what he said. Some people say, Jesus never claimed to be God. But he did. They wanted to kill him over that claim. And as we prepare to go home and and continue with our Christmas celebrations, what I want to challenge you with tonight is maybe you've never thought of Jesus like this. Maybe you've never thought about the fact that you are a sinner and you need the forgiveness of this Savior. That, that the light not only shines brightly and beautifully, but it, but it exposes your sin and my sin. And that as you think about Christ and you think about what he did for you on the cross and how he rose from the dead. Maybe today you need to choose to trust in Jesus as the light that gives you life and freedom. And if that's the case, I would urge you to pray with me in just a moment to ask the Lord to forgive your sins, to give you this life, to trust that Christ's death and resurrection was for you and to give your life to Jesus and be set free. Maybe you're here tonight and you're already a believer and you know him. And if that's the case, I just want to challenge you. Don't live as a slave to sin. Follow Jesus' teaching. It's as you follow his teaching and abide in his words that you experience the kind of joyful freedom that makes the light a good and a true and a beautiful thing. 
And I would ask that you would not put this off, that you would recognize that it is urgent, and in fact, you should respond to it tonight. I preached a message Sunday, and I gave a a very similar message describing the good news of Jesus. And I said, if you would like to be baptized to show your obedience that you believe Jesus died for you and rose from the dead and you're giving your life to him. And and I had a young woman come and say, I would like to be baptized. And so Sunday, we're gonna baptize her. But I would love it if you feel God at work in your heart and you're not sure that you know him, if you would come talk to me and say, I wanna give my life to Christ. And we could baptize a few more people and celebrate what God has done this Christmas. Would you pray with me? If God has worked in your heart, and you feel like you need the forgiveness that Jesus offers, I would urge you to talk to me tonight before you leave. Say, I'd love to know the joy of Christ. I'd love to be obedient and follow in baptism. But right now, I just want to ask that you'd pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, your light is pure and beautiful. And you have shown it to us in Christ And so I pray that you would use it in each of our hearts. That you would reveal our sin, but but more than that, that you would set us free. That you would let us know the joy of freedom that we have through Christ. Jesus died in our place, and tonight we worship him as your son. I pray that you would set us free from our sins as you promised. I ask for your help in abiding in your word. Lord, we don't come to you as perfect people. We come to you as sinners that love you because of the salvation that you provided. I ask that you would bless this night, bless our celebration of what you've done. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come to that that kind of fun traditional part that we do and with the lighting of the candles. And I think about all the stuff we do at Christmas time and the nativity and we sing sing the songs and we do a lot of stuff that's fun and nostalgic that we do every year. But we, we really do believe um, what Pastor Phil has been talking about. We believe that it's true and believe that Jesus is the the only hope for humanity, and you know we're a, we're a mess too. I know. I think in the last two days I've canceled Christmas twice at our house. You know, as I try and leverage my children into the behavior that I want, and I and I again am reminded that uh, that the gift of 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 God becoming flesh and humbling Himself is. It's grace. It's it's a gift that none of us deserve, but he gives it anyway. And so, again, I'm reminded as we give gifts to our children and give gifts that I, I don't deserve any of the gifts either. And as we think about the, the light, hopefully what we can do tonight is remember that we're connected to a church that has been around in an unbroken chain for 2,000 years with the message of the gospel, the message of the good news, the message that the light has come. And the way that light has spread has been one to another as we tell each other the truth. 
the truth of Jesus. And so we're going to sing Silent Night, and I'm going to toss this light around, and we're not going to burn down the church, right, Preston? <laughs> he has a gleam in his eye. <laughs> but we're going to sing and remember that the light has come as we sing Silent Night. So I'm going to give you this here. Oh, no. Okay. We'll get that in a minute. Yeah, why don't you stand? Let's sing together. Silent night, holy night, all has come, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, silent Sing. Let's just just the voices now. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from our candles out. And let me dismiss you with prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the light of Christ that will never go out. We ask that you would bless our celebrations, that they would be full of joy because they are full of Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.